Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Drag up that diesel. What's good? Welcome to the Big Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day, and we are back with some football. Got a game to preview. The football team hosting the New York Giants. We got fans at FedEx Field for the first time this weekend. That'll be the case. Uh, If you are going, let me know. I'm just curious as to what the experience is going to be like as a fan there and if it's any different from what it would normally be like. Let me rephrase that. How different it will be. Because obviously it will be different. And we can make all the jokes about nobody actually going, but I just mean like the process of actually getting there and all that stuff, like all the weird details that most people don't care about, I'm kind of interested in. So if you're going to the game, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Denton underscore day. This is a big game for our team. This is effectively what I'm considering the make or break game of the season. If we are very serious, and Ron Rivera seems to be, but if we are very serious about going for the division, this is a football game you have to win. So I'm going to go ahead and loosely call it a must-win football game if we are serious about contending for the NFC East. The Giants are better than their record states because they have one win, and that win was against us, and that win was against us because we went for two and one for the win, a decision that I still stand by. But the Giants are a bit better than their record states, yet still, if you're losing to a 1-7 and team as you are claiming to be, a team that is going for the NFC East title, losing to a 1-17, and making them two wins, and the only two wins being against you, kind of negates all realistic hope that you have for actually competing for the division title. So this game, as far as that goes, is very, very important. There are a couple things that I want to see. Before we get into the actual game, though, I obviously want to point out Terry McLaurin, captain, well-deserved, with Landon Collins going down With the injury, Terry getting the nod as a captain, very well-deserved. Love Terry McLaurin. I think uh, the post-game speech following Dallas had a lot to do with it, but uh, excited to see him in in that captain role as we move forward with the course of this season. I have a very interesting stat, though, as it relates directly to this football game. This is kind of the make-or-break stat, I would say, of the football game. The first team to score four touchdowns wins. Straight up. 
the first team that finds the end zone four times, I don't care how they do it offensively, defensively, that does not matter. The first team that finds the end zone four times wins the football game. And I say that because not only is it not guaranteed that either of these teams is going to score four times, uh, the statistics so far this season suggest that neither of them will, which is very, very strange, but we are in week nine, entering week nine of the season, and neither the football team nor the Giants have scored over three touchdowns in a game this year. They've put up their degree of points in certain outings. Of course, we put up some good points against Philadelphia, but we didn't score four touchdowns there. They put up some points against Dallas, but that was three touchdowns, one of which had a two-point conversion and then three Graham Gano field goals. So neither one of these teams to this point in the season has scored more than three touchdowns in a football game, which is very uncharacteristic for the way that the NFL operates today. It's very much an offensive-driven league. So the fact that these two teams not being able to score uh, the on a consistent basis and, and get to the end zone more than three times is almost depressingly impressive, if you will. I think that's the best way to frame it. It's very, very strange. So that's obviously that's key number one to this football game. The first team that gets to the end zone four times likely wins because odds are the other team is not going to be able to do that. Now, Scott Turner said in a press conference this week that the goal on offense is not to become a predictable offense, which, one, a thank you, Captain Obvious, like nobody wants to be predictable. But two, I would very much enjoy seeing that take place on the field and seeing a little bit more wrinkles and a little bit more complexity in the offense if Kyle Allen is capable of doing so. I was scrolling through the Hogshaven website, of course, if you're not a member, go ahead and do so. But I was scrolling through the website and there was a an article that was published and the headline simply read, if healthy... Or hold on, let me let me pull this up. Let me not butcher this. Is Kyle Allen the best healthy starting quarterback in the NFC East right now? That was the headline. It's on the website. Great article. Go check it out. But it is a very scary thought when you sit back and think about it and just how far some of the quarterbacks in this division, particularly Carson Wentz, have fallen because he is, from what we know, still healthy. But Carson Wentz has been playing terrible, so Kyle Allen might realistically be the best quarterback in the NFC East that is currently healthy. And I would like to see him take a step forward in being able to handle the complexity of an offense changing. Because ideally, that's why we brought him in, right? We brought him in because he had worked with Scott Turner in the past. He was familiar with the offense. So it should be at a point in their relationship and in his ability to understand the offense to where we can start to get more complex and do things that keep the defense on its toes. The Giants actually have a pretty solid defense. I will give them credit where credit is due. I don't think Daniel Jones is exceptionally fantastic, although he's not terrible either. But their defense is really the best part of their football team, very similar to our defense, obviously. I would still take our defense over their defense, but we can't just beat around the bush and hide the fact that their defense has been exceptionally impressive. Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tom, Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams, that's a very strong group at their defensive line. 
So with that said, can you protect Kyle Allen enough to allow him to get more complex on the offensive side of the football and to not be predictable? Because there was a point in time early this season, and this is not to harp on Dwayne Haskins, but uh, it's just obvious if you were watching the the offense was very, very basic when Dwayne Haskins was running it. Well, if Kyle Allen is the guy that knows Scott Turner is supposed to be the guy that knows his offense, it is about time that we continue to grow the offense and see a little bit more wrinkles, whether that be in the run game or the pass game, continue to take deep shots down the field. Obviously, we had the the success last uh, ball game. I was going to say last week, but we had a bye week last week. Uh, but against Dallas, we had the successful deep shot to Terry McLaurin. I want to see more of that. And I feel like in week nine, we should be past the point where I'm getting on this microphone and not complaining, but crying to see more deep shots in this offense. And yet we are still not doing it on a regular basis. We aren't taking the deep shots that I would say I am comfortable and happy with. Like I want to see the ball pushed down the field. It doesn't always have to be a go route, right? Like I'm, I am perfectly fine with a 17-yard, 15, 17-yard deep in. Like, I want to see more of those in this offense. Attack the secondary and keep them on their toes. The Giants secondary, with the exception of James Bradbury, not very impressive, at least on paper. I mean, Jabril Peppers is a fine player, but definitely a player that we can exploit. They got a lot of pieces outside of the front half of their defense that our offense should be able to take advantage of. Now, here's big question number two, and I think we're going to learn a lot about Ron Rivera with the answer to this question, because what was one of the biggest harps, and there were plenty, but what was one of the biggest harps on Jay Gruden's tenure here in D.C.? The team always looked flat after a bye week. Ron Rivera, much more of a hard-nosed head coach from what we have seen so far, Again, going back to the Terry McLaurin video in the locker room, it sure seems like the culture is changing within the team. But I would like to see that actually play out on the football field. I want to see this team firing out of a bye week, like shot out of a cannon, bat out of hell. Go time. This division is in reach. If you want to compete for the division, it is right there. Go out and get it. If we fall flat again after a bye week, it's going to be a little alarming. So we need to absolutely avoid that at all costs. And I think we will. It's one of the things I'm more optimistic about as we enter this week. I think the team will be prepared significantly more after a bye week than they have been when Jay Gruden was here. That's one of the main benefits in having Ron Rivera as the football coach. He's going to have the guys ready. But it will be very, very alarming if that's not the case, right? All right, let's take a quick look at what the Giants got going on offensively here. Golden Tate's had some issues with them recently. Uh, He was held out of practice earlier this week for his rant and his wife's rant. Never a great thing when the wife gets involved on the internet in attacking a team. I don't care what the sport is. I don't care who the player is. Never a great idea when the wife gets involved on Twitter and starts kind of airing the dirty laundry. So Golden Tate had some issues. He kind of poured gasoline on the fire or started the fire when he caught a touchdown pass against Tampa Bay and looked directly into the camera saying, throw me the football 
very similar to Keyshawn Johnson, uh, his famous throw me the damn ball line. Uh, the only difference is Keyshawn Johnson, significantly better player than Golden Tate. And while Golden Tate, still a great wide receiver, I, I, I don't know if he's the guy that should be yelling throw me the damn ball as his team is 1-7. Strange. Very, very strange. Some turmoil going on offensively. Hopefully that's something our defense can take advantage of. Obviously, with no Saquon Barkley, the offense for New York hasn't exactly been scary. Uh, but Daniel Jones has had some explosive plays with his legs. Apparently, the guy is actually very, very fast. You know, we'd seen his forty time when he was coming out of high or coming out of college, and it was impressive. But we've seen some things inside of the football game where he has real speed, and we were on uh, the learning side of, of that. Last time we played these guys, when Daniel Jones popped off, what was it, like a 50-yard run? So let's avoid that. Uh, We don't need Daniel Jones to be making explosive plays with his legs. The guy has really been a turnover machine for a lot of this season and kind of tailing into last season as well. He turns the football over a lot. Let's see that version of Daniel Jones. We don't need to see this explosive play, great throw-making, really – Uh, quick Daniel Jones. We don't need to see any of that. We want to see the Daniel Jones um, that turns the ball over, that makes careless decisions, and that we can kind of bait into throwing passes that he shouldn't throw. Continuing the what to look for from our defensive side. I teased that we were going to talk about their offense. I I don't really care. I just wanted to point out the Golden Tate thing because, one, I think it's funny that he's the guy that was having the issues, and, two, I do think it's something that we can exploit. From our defense, though, we had all of the speculation and the rumors of Ryan Kerrigan wanting a trade and then not wanting a trade. Obviously, the trade deadline has come. The trade deadline has went. Kerrigan is still a member of this organization, and thankfully so. I think keeping him now was probably the best decision. I don't think there was a real market for a defensive end at the time when he sort of made his trade request public, if that even was real. That aside, I'm anticipating kind of an angry version of Ryan Kerrigan. We know that he wants to play more. I hope that Del Rio is going to use him more. But what he has been doing so far in his limited amount of snaps is exceptionally efficient. I mean, the guy has played significantly less snaps than almost every other one of our defensive linemen, you know, the big-name defensive linemen, And Kerrigan is second on the team with four sacks. So if he's taking advantage of his limited snaps, I would like to increase the snaps a little bit, hoping that that still kind of takes place, if you will, in terms of the production stays consistent percentage-wise with the amount of snaps, and hopefully we see him continue to kind of cause havoc, whether it be on third downs or first and second downs. Ideally, In a perfect world, I don't want Chase Young and Montez Sweat, either of them, off the field on third downs. That's just my perfect scenario. I want those two guys in particular on the field on third downs. Montez Sweat is leading the team with five sacks. He has been an absolute beast so far this season. So I want Young and Sweat on the field as much as humanly possible. But I do understand you have to rotate Kerrigan in and out. Uh, So in the limited snaps that Kerrigan does get, hopefully we see him take advantage of those as he has already proven to do so so far this year. But this is a game that I think Chase Young is going to break into the box score once again. 
And when I say break into the box score, his numbers statistically sacks-wise, two and a half sacks, uh, pretty solid for a rookie. A lot of the stuff that he has been really successful at this season it doesn't show up on the box score. He's creating havoc in the backfield. He's blowing up plays that do not make their way onto the print sheet of paper after the football game. But this is the game after a bye week where I'm anticipating that those plays that he is making that don't show up in the box score will eventually start showing up in the box score. I'm expecting a tackle for a loss, hopefully multiple, uh, a sack, hopefully multiple, a batted, bat, batted down ball to line of scrimmage. You know, I'm expecting that the great things that he has been doing specifically against Dallas and New York because he had a good game against New York the first go around. I'm just expecting all of the great things he was doing in those two outings to eventually make their way onto the box score. I had the bold prediction that I thought Chase Young was going to have double-digit sacks in his rookie year. Uh, we're halfway through, he has two and a half, but I'm still standing on that prediction. I think eventually when you do the right things, uh, the plays will eventually come that, again, show up on that box score. And not that we care that much about the box score, but I do enjoy being right. Uh, so I think that these are going to start to occur more frequently, and this is kind of the good day where we'd be able to see it. I don't think the offensive line for the Giants is uh, fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so maybe maybe flip Young and sweat a little bit more because it seems like when you're facing the quarterback— Chase Young is generally on the right side and Sweat is on the left side. I'm not opposed to to switching them and kind of freaking out the offensive line a little bit. So one play, you're dealing with Montez Sweat if you are the right tackle, and all of a sudden Chase Young is the guy that you're matched up with. I think they're different players enough to where it could kind of mess with the uh, the flow of the game from an offensive line perspective. So that's something I would love to see, getting a little bit more wrinkles on the defense uh, in terms of what you're doing as a pass rush where you're bringing pressure, but you you don't have to bring five or six guys. You can just freak them out a little bit uh, to where the pressure will naturally come. And final thing on defense, uh, please, 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 a lot more Cole Holcomb, less John Bostic. That's all I'm asking for. I want Cole Holcomb on the field as much as possible. I still think John Bostic is a fine football player, but I want more Holcomb and less Bostic, and I am very excited to see what Cameron Carl can do getting a real opportunity to start. I think he has made the best of his opportunities on the snaps that he has gotten so far this season. Excited to see what he can bring defensively against New York and hopefully make some plays, maybe come down with a turnover or two. All right, final thing, switching gears to the offense. We're not going to put a bunch of ads in this podcast because we're just kind of getting through it. Uh, Switching gears, to the offense, we've talked briefly about how Scott Turner said that we want to get less predictable on offense. I agree with that. I want to see the ball distributed to the playmakers. Uh, so far, what we have seen, McKissick has been really, really good. I think he deserves more touches. Gibson was awesome against Dallas. Terry McLaurin was awesome against Dallas. This is my weekly give Terry McLaurin the ball more spot. Got that out of the way. Continue to give him the football more. And I think very recently, while I don't want him getting a majority of the targets, Logan Thomas has stepped up to the plate. I like the way that we have utilized Logan Thomas over the past few weeks. He stepped up. I applaud him for doing so. I think he should be rewarded for doing so. So get him the football more. It is my understanding, not not confirmed, but my understanding that Steve Sims Jr. is going to be available to play. He's been practicing this week. I don't know to the extent at which he will be available to play. 
but him practicing is a positive, so let's get him the football more. What does he add to the offense? What dynamic does having a quick guy in the slot add to what we have going on offensively? Obviously, the wide receiver two spot still very much up for grabs. That has not changed from the start of the season to now. There are guys that have made some plays. Isaiah Wright has made some plays. Cam Sims has made some plays. Dontrell Inman has made some plays, but Inman is not the answer at wide receiver two moving forward. So what can Steve Sims Jr. provide to the offense, and can he take that spot, go up, reach it, grab it, and snatch the wide receiver two spot? Something to keep an eye on coming up this weekend, because I do think Sims is going to get some favorable matchups with some of the defensive backs that the Giants have to offer. I'm guessing Terry McLaurin is going to see a lot of James Bradbury, not something I'm afraid of. Looking forward to it. I think McLaurin can uh, can get the better of Bradbury as he has gotten the better of every single great defensive back he has played so far this season. So I think he can get the better of Bradbury, but I do think that opens up some favorable matchups for Steve Sims Jr. So I'd love to see him take advantage. All right, finally, 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 the moment that you've been waiting for. Ooh, ah, who wins the football game? I think we do. Pretty simple. I think we win this football game. I think we pick up our third win of the season, and I think the the hope and the quest for the NFC East Championship does not die this weekend. If we lose the football game, I think it does, and I think we need to drop the facade that we are actively competing for the NFC East crown, but I do think we are victorious. I think we beat the Giants, and I do think we score more than three touchdowns. That could be bold, but I'm going, uh, we'll go 28 to 24 the football team victorious over the Giants. That's the official prediction. I'd love to hear yours at Denton underscore day on Twitter. Looking forward to seeing our guys back in action and seeing what we do after a bye week. I'm I'm pumped, to be honest. Abnormally excited for what we're going to see this weekend. With that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Pigpen Podcast. I'll see you guys Monday for the postgame reactions. Until then, peace.